0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Uh, it's Saturday afternoon here in London. It's almost 2 p.m. Um, I'm doing an Owner's Stories today. This is the owner Stories that I've been looking forward to, actually. Uh, the owner Stories today is number 15, and we are talking to um, Nick, and Nick is from the UK. Nick, I am really interested in talking to because he has just purchased a car that I've been searching for. You've read the title, you know what it is. There's no, there's no way I can hide it. He's bought a nine twelve, um, so we're going to talk to Nick about his process, um, what he thinks about the car, you know, how the process has been getting the car into the UK. It's going to be a really interesting owner stories, so stick with us to the end. Okay, so let me uh, let me get Zoom fired up. Let me uh, open the chat and um, let's start talking to Nick. Okay, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Like I said, this is um number 15. It's making me, it's, it's getting very hard for me to remember the numbers of these owner series because I am actually recording them a few weeks in advance now. So hopefully I haven't got it wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's number uh, 15. And like I said, today I have someone who I've been wanting to talk to for some time. Uh, we've chatted briefly on Instagram. Uh, Nick is coming from the UK and Nick has something that I really want. Um, so we're going to get into that shortly. Um, how are you, Nick?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, great to um Great to be speaking with Michael. I know we've uh, chatted a little while about uh, getting some time together, but uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, it, we're doing this on a Saturday, as I said in in the sort of beginning intro. So we're doing this on a Saturday in London, and the sun is actually out here, which is which is quite surprising here in uh, here in Canary Wharf. But um, so. Just, I'm just gonna update the listeners basically Nick just with the, the, a little intro so Nick is Nick is um, he's on Instagram and you should check out the Instagram while we're, while we're talking before we start actually getting into the chat um, he's on Instagram it's at the classic series is that it Nick
1: that's right the, yeah the classic, the classic series yep that's so it's
0: it the classic series on Instagram. So check that out. Um, There's lots of um, great images on there. Nick's obviously also a photographer because the images are very, very good. And Nick is from the UK, like I said. So I I just looked at your Instagram just before we came live, actually. And it seems that you have a really strong background with classics and appreciation of classics. So the usual story, the usual question I ask to start this podcast, the Owners Stories podcast, Nick. If you listened to them before, is you know, have you always you know is what is your first impression of Porsche? What is your first thought that you wanted one? Was it you know when you're a kid, or when was it when you, you you know later in life, or is it just something that's you know just something that's happened in the past couple of weeks, kind of thing? But I want to sort of tie that back into the fact of your love for classics, which obviously you do have a love for classic cars. So. Sure yeah what what Um, was it about the porsche that that drew you to it uh
1: yeah i think you're right in in the fact it's 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 probably obvious from my instagram uh feed but i've always been into classic cars and i suppose um dare i say at the age i am now some of them weren't so classic when i uh Found them first time around. My, my, my first sort of car was a, um, an original Mini, um, which is probably slightly cliche to some, but I still adore the, the original classic Mini. I think it's one yeah. of those absolute iconic vehicles. Um, as iconic in shape, dare I say, as you know, perhaps the 911 and probably a handful of others, but no more. Um, so it's always been classic cars for me. I've run them um, regularly. I I'd try and run them uh, as my daily car. Um, so reliability has always been important. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, Porsche has been always at the very top of the the dream list. Um, I've owned too many cars over the years, <laughs> lots and lots in a long list. Um, tried lots, you know, kind of some were to tick the box, some were dream chased cars. Um, coming back to Mini, I always wanted a regional 60s Mini Cooper, which I managed to, uh, scratched that itch a few years ago. I uh, had a, a Mark II 69 Cooper S, which was nice. yeah, beautiful yeah, car. Yeah, very nice. Um, so yeah, it's but yeah, the the uh, the iconic Porsche lines and yeah, the 911 or, or derivative thereof <laughs> has always been at the top of the list.
0: So you haven't owned a Porsche before, though, have you? This is this would be your first car. This is the first I one you have you've actually owned.
1: Yeah, I have. Um, I've, this would be my fourth Porsche. Um, but I would say, uh, well, first air called, um, yep. some years ago, probably twelve, fifteen, maybe something like that. I had a, a, Boxster was my first, um, Porsche, uh, I followed it by a, a facelift Boxster at the time, both 986 model Boxsters. Okay. Um, and then more recently I had a, 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 944, um, up until early part of this year.
0: Just the base so, 944 yeah. or something?
1: Yeah, it, yeah, two point five, um, fairly base model, um, but it was really I, again I ch- I chased for quite some time the right one. Um, I'm quite particular in finding cars. I think you're similar to me in the fact that you know um, it, it's a bit of a journey to get exactly what I'm looking for, or, or as close as possible. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a journey to find that. I've always loved the nine four four, and I would strongly recommend anybody to. Either get a ride in one if you can or own one. They're, they're a brilliant car and they really are a, a, a daily driver as well. So um, that's
0: the, that's the grey one on your Instagram, is it? The blue that's right, color. yeah. Okay, yeah. I did see that actually. I did see that. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think it was yours. So when you <laughs> bought the Boxsters, did you buy them new or you bought them used?
1: used. No, they weren't used. Uh, so the first one was a very uh, – I think it was almost one of the very first ones in the 986. It was a 1998 2.5, so it was the first model, first engine size uh pre-facelift. Uh I learned a lot with that car. It stung me badly. Right. <laughs> it, t- it taught me there's no such thing as a cheap Porsche really. I bought okay, two- so it. Okay,
0: so it had issues. <laughs> in, it, it eventually uh, yeah, had yeah, issues. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, it cost me in major parts over time. Um you know major servicing. I I, I loved it. it. It was my first Porsche and it, it meant I sort of you know Again, sort of scratched that itch, but yeah, he was. It, was uh, it did. It did, uh, cost me dearly in the end.
0: <laughs> okay, so you had the you had the two boxes, then you go into the nine four four. So the nine four four was quite recent. So you you sold a 944, the nine four four, the transaxle nine four four, before just before you started looking for the nine twelve.
1: Um I was looking before that um but i I'd had it um maybe a year, something like that. I hadn't actually intended to sell it um it was one of those scenarios where, as I say, I've always got a i guess like many people, you've always got one eye on the market anyway, um
0: yeah, yeah.
1: what's going on, see how prices are, yeah, um, what's coming up and uh so I put out a couple of feelers for a nine twelve um I kind of was getting that feeling that. Um, if I didn't make the jump and do something about uh what I felt was a true air called um Porsche in terms of uh, being a 911 or a 912, by that point I think I'd pretty much made up my mind 911s were getting outside my budget unless something of a miracle happened. <laughs> so the 912, um, I started looking quite seriously for, for for some time, and it was a case of one came up, so it was time to part with the nine four four to to part fund it um, okay. I made a good sale. Um, you know it went to a great home, another passionate Porsche enthusiast um, and the market was good for them as well
0: yeah, absolutely. the market's getting very strong for the nine four four so you've been searching so you 've been searching Nick from this year or last year you started when you first decided you thought okay i I want a 911 or a 912, um, you probably did the same thing as me. You look at the prices and go, okay, the 912 seems to be a better choice.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So you started searching, and how long did the search take you?
1: I, well, I, I, the 912 I've been looking at probably um, at some point, sort of mid to late last year. The 911 I've been looking at for years. Okay. Uh, I, uh, uh, to give you some indication, I, I, bought, um, I bought my first Boxster at a time where I think if I'd have found a little bit more pocket money down the back of the couch, I probably could have plumped for a a, a, a nine six four that needed a bit of work. And, right, right. Uh, for <laughs> reasons of regret, now I took the box. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the nine six four is uh, that was the surprise one. That was the surprise one. How quickly it went up. Oh so, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. So now I don't feel so bad. So you were looking, you started looking last year and I know mm. Ajmal will be listening to this because he always gives me a hard time on how long it's taking me to find one. Um, so you started last year and what did you do when you first started searching? Did you go to the usual places, you know, in the U you, S you, you're obviously searching for a US one, right? Because the prices in the UK are a little bit, you know, a little bit too high.
1: Yeah. I, I think dominantly it was US. I did look in the UK. Um, and there are – it's a it's – you'll know. I mean, the, the market's funny in the fact that you you start to get a feeling for where the prices are. I mean, 911s especially, given the different models, whether you're looking at, you know, an F-body, G-body, 996, you get a 996, you get a ballpark figure or range of, of where each of those models sit. Yes. Um, and then all of a sudden a curveball comes up. And so it's the same with the nine twelve. You know they, they sit within a bracket in the u k for example, which is probably one of the strongest markets for them, yes um close followed by Europe, I guess, but and then all of a sudden you'll get something and and you almost don't believe it because the price somehow sits outside the norm, and there was maybe one or two that cropped up like that in the u k and I couldn't move quick enough um and quite often you know you'll keep a track on um you know piston heads and uh, car and classic and all the usual stuff um but they might change hands very quickly in forums or facebook groups um facebook groups are great for obviously intel and and getting to know a scene and things like that i think that they're fast becoming the sort of overtake of what we used to do with forums um but yeah, you're right. U.S. market is is definitely um, if you're looking for something with with better value, dare I say, it, you know, you're probably going to get more more car for the money. Yes. But of course, you're left-hand drive, um, which doesn't suit everyone.
0: But the thing is, most nine twelves are left-hand drive, aren't they? Yeah, like, absolutely. Are there I mean, actually any right-hand drive ones? I'm not even sure if they even exist. There Maybe. are,
1: but there are very few numbers. I know um, in the in this sort of scene, if you like, uh, in the UK, there is a couple of right-hand drives I'm aware of. Yeah, but they're so very So they few. must be
0: a premium then if they're – because there'd be very limited numbers, yeah. very limited yeah. numbers. So yeah. you so you started doing the research. You did the usual thing with forums and, you know, groups and stuff like mm-hmm. that.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, And then
0: you found – I think I'm going to jump straight to this. That then you found the nine twelve that you think okay, this is the one. So what did you do then? You know what I mean? Because you've done the initial research. Yeah, you've done that initial research. So what do you do when it is in the US, and how do you ensure that it that it is okay?
1: Yeah, so I mean, with mine, I put out a few sort of messages onto a few forums saying that I was looking for something. I gave a fair indication as to the kind of condition I was after. Um, I mean, you'll be aware that there's there's you can get into it fairly low end but you're looking at a bit of a project uh, yeah. and that's not for me I, I you know I, I want to be able to drive it I don't mind you know um, playing with it over time but it's got to be what I term you know drivable usable um, you know and I, I try and use mine um, as much as possible so I put out that kind of want and it, in the end the car and the owner uh, found me I got a random email one day yeah. Uh, in my inbox, saying I spotted one of your calls for nine uh, twelve, and I've got something you might be interested in. Uh, it wasn't advertised anywhere. Okay. Um, the owner wasn't particularly looking to sell. Um, you know, we're, we're talking sort of early part of this year, and obviously we know what kind of year it's been. So whether that yeah. happened in from getting rid of it, I don't know. But um, so yeah, but you're right. He, he was based in the US. Um, So there was no way I was going to physically see the car. Uh, So I started really just getting to know the guy. Um, I spent time on the phone with him. Um, I did video calls with him around the car several times. I really got to show me the car inside and out. Um, I I think in the end, I was in receipt of something like three to four hundred photographs of the car. Wow. Um, So I kind of did much um diligence on on the guy himself and the car uh, albeit remotely Um, okay
0: so tell the listeners because we haven't actually completely told them what it is but tell the listeners what you actually bought the year and and the whole um history of the car so it's a 912 and what year is it it's
1: 1968 uh 912 um and it's fairly stock standard um it's got, a good, it's got a good story to it and it's got a good history to it, which I like. I like a car with, you know, a, a story to it. Um, I'm quite fortunate um, in that it's got uh, a fairly well-documented history with it. Um, and that's sort of made up of receipts and books. And um, I always had, as I said, a really lengthy conversation with the current owner. I've got the story of the previous owner. Um, and I've also got sort of traced back to the original sale and uh, first Oh, Okay.
0: One. All right. So it has all the cardex and it has all the information. That's right. So yeah. everything came right. with it the service, the original service manual
1: book yeah I've got manual books with it um there's gaps in the very early days um but that doesn't really concern me i mean it's not you know I'm not talking a perfect car here it's not concourse it's not um without gaps in history i mean for example, it's not matching numbers, which I know is a big big deal for some okay um, it's got year year correct engine in it um, so and most of the car is original but we talk
0: uh, about we talk about matching numbers Nick and and you know like I said, there's, there's many things online and many podcasts where they talk about this, where that was just a common thing where they switched out the engines, correct? Yeah. Especially when, you know, if something went wrong with the engine, the shop might've had another engine in the corner and they said, you want to put that one in, it's the same year and they just switch it out. I mean, I think that, that was too. quite common in seventies Porsches as well, right?
1: Yeah. And you're also talking about a car, which at, at one stage in its life was worth very little money. You yes, know, exactly. Exactly. These sort of swaps happened very easily. Um, so it it doesn't concern me. The car's in, other than the fact it's not matching numbers. It's in great shape uh, now. Uh, we'll come to that. But uh, okay. So it, it's
0: it's a 1968 short wheelbase. Um, yeah. It's in white, and the interior it is, is uh, black.
1: Yep. It's um it's very. Uh, I don't want to use the word basic, but it's very simplistic in its um, kind of look. So it's ivory white. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a uh, short wheelbase. It's 68, which was a um, single model year, um, yes. which has its pluses and minuses when finding parts. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I've uh, been. I wondered that. I'm going to ask you that question about the 68, because some people like it and some people don't like it because mm. of the emissions, right? But then other people say it's quite rare because it was just for that one year, but it's harder yeah. to get parts because if it was only for that one year.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, I am fortunate that a lot of the car is. Um, is with the car, if that makes sense. So you know the interior is all there. There's nothing really missing. Um, it's genuinely got most of its original parts. But so, for example, I've recently had to buy um, door cards. They didn't. Uh, there was parts of the door card missing. The door pocket. Okay. I've done a bit of research um, over recent months into the '68 year, and one of those unique pieces for 1968 was the door cards. Yeah. They were only made for a single year. Yes. Uh, particularly the door pockets. So trying to source a single-year door card has been quite a (laughs) tricky thing. I've managed to do it. Um, But, uh, yeah, so it's little things like that. But I kind of like that. You know, again, it's it's something a bit different. Um, You know, I I think for me, a car needs to – It needs to stand out in some way, and I don't mean sort of physically, uh, you know, bright colours, wraps and, you know, um, racing uh, decals, things like that. I just like something that sits a little bit outside of the norm. Yeah. Um, And that's the kind of thing that interests me, whether it's a story or where the car's been or, you know, its place within the manufacturer's history.
0: Um, So just going back to the door cards, are you someone that wants to get Original parts, you wouldn't get the door card, say, from someone that reproduces the door cards. I mean, there's reproductions, right? And a lot of you know, and it's hard to yeah. know with nine twelves if you've got a you know reproduction dash or you've got a reproduction you know seat. So
1: yeah, yeah. So it's I, I'm not adverse to doing aftermarket parts um, on on certain cars. I've certainly done it in the past, um, but uh, there, there's an element with Porsche, unfortunately, where you know, people dub it Porsche tax. So you get a part, and um, it may even fit from another car. But yeah. at the minute you 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 have it under that kind of Porsche brand name, the price seems to go up in some regard. Um, it doesn't always happen, but um, and of course, then when you start remaking things, and as you say, people will remanufacture original parts that aren't available. Again, this kind of elevated price comes in, and that's fine. Um, you know, there are exclusive cars in in some sense. Um, but for me, I think if I can find original, yep. um, a, it's just that it's original. Um, but B, if you, you can box a bit clever and you can, you, you know, you can, you can pay a sensible price. Um, I've just so where to say, did,
0: where did you find the door great. cards?
1: They were, um, uh, through, uh, Facebook. I think it was, um, looked on eBay and all the usual places.
0: I mean, uh, I'm just looking at the images you sent me on in DM. What are the wheels mm. on your car? So they're the original oh, okay, they're
1: uh, uh, steel wheels. Okay, perfect. Um, and they're the wider uh, five and a half um, okay, nice. steel, which I think they came in again in 68. Um, yeah,
0: the steel wide. wheels are definitely the pick of the wheels, that's for sure. So,
1: yeah, I think Fouche is a bit – I love Fouche wheels, I'm going to be wrong, but for, they wouldn't work for me on this car.
0: No, they just don't work on a nine twelve. I don't know. I know there's 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 always a few for sale with them on there, and people have switched mm-hmm. them out for reproductions or whatever. But I, I just think the steel wheel. is just that classic look, either either with or without the hubcap. You know what I mean? Both of it. Yeah, looks, I'm still undecided good. on that. <laughs> yeah, I do like that non hubcap <laughs> look. I have to say that Rora look. So. Going back to the owner, so this owner that you found it from in the U.S., he was, he was heavily involved in the Porsche community in the U.S. He was an older guy or he, he'd owned the car for a long time. What was the history behind that? How did you get to the point where you go, okay, I trust this guy, even though you have all the video calls? Yeah. What was it that made you think, okay, this, this is going to be okay. I can, I can ship this car over from the U.S.?
1: Yeah, so I I'd, I'd pressed him on the history of the car, and I also got him to speak with the previous owner. Um. Because he was the one who was really into the Porsche scene. He was uh, an old guy who'd unfortunately um, now suffered from Alzheimer's. He'd had the car for a long, long time. um, And his brother had um, done a lot of work in the car during the 80s, I think it was. It says in the history. Um, Looked after it. And he'd entered it into concourse for Porsche Club America um, in the 90s, I think. Um, You kind of get the feel that the car, you know, it's in... I'd say it's in very good shape now, but you get the feeling that it, well, at one point in his life, it, it would have been, you know, it could have easily been entered in a, in a concourse.
0: It, pipe, it uh, looks then. really looked after though. The image you sent me in the, in the, you know, the, in the garage, wherever it is, it looks, it looks in very, very good condition. I mean, it's almost yeah. like I have to, like what you said, you know, what you're looking for. That for me is what I'm looking for, where it's not too beat up. It's, it's quite reliable. It's been well looked after, and it's like the perfect example. You don't really have to do that much to the body, do you? It's actually looks, it actually looks perfect to me.
1: No, that's right. I, you know, and I, maybe it's had paint. Maybe it hasn't. It, it's more than likely. But, again, it's been done well at some point. Um, it's very presentable, but equally it's not perfect because I want to drive it. I want to use it. I don't want to worry about taking it out. Um, so, yeah, it, it sits in that perfect sort of space for me. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so to come back to your question, yes. so I pressed the guy um, about its history and I, I ended up with quite a full log of um, sort of the journey of the car. Um, but I also spoke to so he, he deals um, occasionally in selling classic cars anyway and exporting on occasion. Um, bizarrely, he also deals in exporting things like jukeboxes and other sort of vintage, oh, okay, uh, <laughs> memorabilia. Americana type. Yeah, experiment. exactly. That's right, yeah. So I actually rang up a couple of his customers here in the UK and said, look, who is this guy? First of all, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Would you recommend him? Is he a straight-up <laughs> kind of guy? Um, and it was, you know, I'd spent a few months just really um yeah, getting myself comfortable because this this was the first time I'd ever done something like this. I'd never imported before. Um and I I, I think I did well on the price, but it was still a sum of money, which I was sending overseas to somebody I've never met. um, That's what I was going to ask. I didn't know whether something would turn up (laughs) at all or what would turn up, you know?
0: Yeah. Because he contacted you out of the blue in a way he contacted you. You know what I mean? So you never know what the situation is. The car seems in great condition. So you, you make a decision on the car, Nick, you decide, okay, I'm going to take this car. I trust this guy. How did you start working out the process to get it imported into the UK and exported out of the US? Did you contact a, one of these brokers, these guys that, that do look after everything for you? Or did you say, I can just sort of do this myself by contacting shipping companies, et cetera?
1: No, I I, I wanted the confidence of somebody who would um, could take care of the whole process, really. As I said, I'd not done it before. I think in hindsight, you know, now I've gone through it, I probably would take on some of the process myself. Um, but a, a friend of mine... Um, who, <laughs> slightly separate story, but we went to university together. We grew up on Golf GTIs and various hot hatches. And again, we were we are still um, big Porsche fans. In fact, he's just um, not long imported a, a G-Body 911 himself. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, he imported an American muscle car a few years ago. So he had some insight into what he'd been it through. So I sort of picked his brains on the import process. But ultimately, yeah, I ended up going with a a broker who handled the whole situation. So, you know, you, you get a quote, they break it down, the whole process, and you pay one lump sum uh, or a couple of payments, and, and and they take you through the full journey from, you know, pick up in the US, overland shipping, um, cargo ship, and then, you know, out of the port this end and to your door.
0: How did you find that broker? Was that through Porsche Club or through a Porsche Group or no, how did you know start. the right person to go with? Because there's quite a few. You do a search for them. There's, there's multitude that come up and you've got to work with, which is going to be the good one.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I, I'd been recommended a couple. I'd also watched a couple of uh, YouTube videos on people having gone through an import process themselves. Um, so I just, I think I rang three or four in the end. Uh, had a good conversation with them. Again, got comfortable with one particular company. They weren't the cheapest, but they certainly weren't the most expensive. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of, again, I, I, I sort of took the time to just get comfortable with one of the companies, really. Um,
0: yeah, because on a, on a previous owner's stories with Paul from New Zealand, um, Paul had the um, G50 3.2 Carrera, and he's got a 997 Carrera GTS, and he did the, he bought that Carrera GTS from the UK. And he did the same thing. He found a broker. I think it was someone his friend had used. But that broker actually found the car for him, went and looked at the car, and also oh, <coughs> did okay. all the shipping and everything. So that was the whole service. Yeah. So I guess there's really good people out there. So this car that you bought, <coughs> and I don't want you to divulge the price, of course, but the, the price based on U.S. pricing, was it low range, mid range, or high range based on the current U.S. sort of prices for 912? And I know they've gone up, and I, I know since May this year they've gone up a lot
1: yeah they have yeah i i as i sit here today and i have been looking as we still do even when you bought a car you still yes. look i don't know what that's about
0: see if you can find another yeah. one yeah.
1: a better yeah. one you know you've done the deal you've yeah. got it that's no, no, crazy, it's crazy to... <laughs> um, you, i guess is that reassurance have i bought something that i shouldn't have done yeah. um yeah I, as, I, as i said my, my friend who also imported a couple of months ahead of me um i keep sort of uh, having this conversation <laughs> have we done the right thing you, and you know what it is
0: It's not to convince yourself because you're happy with it it's to convince yeah. others that are close to you that you were <laughs> clever and you made a really good deal i think that's what it is it's 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 the everyone it's else yeah. yeah yeah
1: but no i think i think originally i um i was very clear with the budget i wanted to work within um I, uh, yeah, so I set aside that, that, that budget to work with, including shipping. Um, so I had to turn down a couple because it was just a step too far. Um, but this one, A, it sat within my budget. And I think, to be frank, I got lucky. Okay. I just got lucky, um, whether it was timing, um, situation. But I, I paid lower end. Um, and I think, you know, it's, the car's now in with a specialist in the U.K., um, having an initial checkover, it's yep. waiting for a UK registration so I can get it legally on the road. And all the indications so far is it's pretty good. It's, okay. yeah, I, I'm really pleased.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the the cost to get it into the UK. If someone's listening and thinking, okay, I want to do this, I have a vague idea how to get the cost into Australia. It does add up quite quickly when you add, you know, Australia has luxury car tax if it's over sixty six thousand landed with you know with freight and everything. Um you don't pay duty because it's over thirty years old, but you pay ten percent GST, so you pay a goods and service tax on top of that. When you're sending something to Australia they always say, you know, for the nine twelve they say it's it seems inflated to me, but someone said to just to allocate five thousand for shipping, you know. I don't know whether that includes insurance or whatever. I mean obviously Australia's further this is US to Australia export. Yeah. Um, yeah. They always say add cool. 5000 in and then, you know, work out your cost. And there's calculators online and I, I go to them all the time when I'm looking at, when I find <laughs> something to see how much it costs. And the price grows very, very quickly. Now, yeah. on the 912 you bought from the US, what, the fees and, the, and, and all the extra bits you had to add on, did that add 10% onto the value of the car? Did it add 5% on the value of the car?
1: Um, it was in the region of about 10%, I think. Something like that um, It shifted as well because and, and with the US you, you'll also look at, and I think I probably overlooked it slightly, was it depends where your car is. So if you're shipping out of um, East Coast or West Coast as a port, yep. you've got to also think about where your car is, because there's a significant overland journey to be done if it's in the middle of the country. <laughs> Um, yeah, good
0: point actually, yeah, the transport to the ship, to the port, yeah.
1: Absolutely, um, and that will add a cost, um, uh, not to be underestimated. Um, so did
0: you miss that cost or that cost just surprised you when it, it came through? It cost me a bit you. more,
1: I mean it wasn't, it wasn't significant but it, yeah, it added a bit. Um, my, mine ended up going out uh, of New York um, and uh, its last owner was up in Wisconsin. Okay. So it was so a bit it, of an
0: so it lands into the UK, so eventually it gets on the ship. It takes, I mean, how long did it take? About three months or something like that? It took a while, you said, right?
1: Well, that was the thing. The actual journey on the ship only took uh, 10 days, two weeks, something like that. Okay. My, my, my journey with this, I mean, to give you an idea, I agreed, um, I agreed I'd have the car with the owner uh, back in uh, June, something like that. Um and it arrived eventually late November, mid to late November. Oh, okay. And that's purely uh well, I say purely it was partly because I was making sure I was doing the right thing. I yep. was fortunate that it wasn't publicly advertised. So I wasn't up against competition, which as you'll know, as soon as one comes up, people are all over it. Um exactly. you want, you've got to jump. So I wasn't against up against that, which was really fortunate but i did take my time as i said before getting to know the guy and get to know the car so there was a bit of delay in that um but frankly it was just the year we've had you know trying to get shipping organized uh it sat at the port for longer than it would have done in normal um, yeah
0: it's time. actually the, probably the worst time i mean they say it's a good time because prices are People are willing to sell, but it seems to me the prices were actually up. So if you've got a good buy, that's actually really good. But then mm. all the other side of it is all delayed, isn't it? There's an extra yeah. time and an extra stress involved if your car is just sitting somewhere and you're not sure what's happening.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing was in the US, of course, you have a title, uh, which is ownership of the car. Yes. Um, and uh, so with this particular car, he hadn't long had it himself um when he bought it from the guy the previous owner the older uh, guy who sadly had uh, a dementia yeah um so he then because he was going to sell it to me he had to get the title uh in his name before he was allowed to sell it to me and even the title because of coronavirus took so long to get all uh, oh, right department of transport to get the uh the title in his name So. but
0: that's the most important thing to get that title. The journey it? delays yeah yeah <laughs> So when when it lands in the UK, how is the how is the UK government how is customs immigration or who's ever dealing with it? Are they are they fast? Do they do? I mean, when a car goes to Australia, it has to be before it leaves the port wherever you're buying it from in the US. It has to be completely cleaned underneath. It can't have any dirt. It can't have any anything on the car. It has to be steam cleaned and everything. Is that wow. is the UK very particular about things like that, or it's it's an easier process?
1: Yeah, I'm not aware. It went through anywhere near as stringent. Um, sort of check over is that it would normally be fairly quick um i mean most of the companies i spoke to would say that once it's in port it should be back out and you know if you want to deliver to your home or wherever you know it's it's a matter of days um so but again just unfortunate really we uh it was due into felixstowe in the uk and they had massive issues with uh, a backlog of containers coming in for us so it sat still there (laughs) As I say, the whole journey's just been delay after delay. Um, But no, normally it's very quick. Um, Okay.
0: So then when you sent me the message, you literally had just taken – you'd seen the car for the first time, right? I think when you sent me that Instagram message, you said you've just collected the car or you've seen the car and you sent that image. I don't know whether it was just when you got it, Mm. but it was quite soon after. So where do you get the car? you get the car delivered to um, the mechanic, to the Porsche specialist, or is that what you decided to do? Yeah,
1: I I said to the shipping company – I wanted it taken straight to a specialist. And this is uh, a guy who I've I've come to know through sort of a local Porsche scene. So there's a few other guys in my area, I guess, sort of Southern England, who there's a handful of them have either had 912s or currently have them or other yeah. um, 911s, three five six, that kind of thing. So, yeah, and, and he was known uh, to a couple of these guys who recommended his next Porsche mechanic. Um so no but this sister. is
0: the same guy that Ajmal uses right is that yeah the, that's right yeah yeah jack yeah.
1: yeah so yeah so it's sitting there at the moment um and yeah when i spoke to you originally i think sent photos three that was the first time i'd actually laid eyes on the car yeah um so that was great was you know brilliant. the first
0: thing i thought when i saw that car i thought how come i haven't seen this car come up online that was the first thing that came into my mind. I thought, this is a US car. Like I'm scouring, you know, Auto Tempest. I'm, I'm, I'm going through all these things. And I thought, I've never yeah. seen that car come up. So I think, yeah. like you said, that's half the battle that you that he contacted you. It wasn't advertised. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that made the price slightly lower, you think, that it actually didn't go Off on the, on the market?
1: The, um, uh, it's, it's difficult because I think where it, the matching numbers thing is, is odd. Some people really get hung up about it. Um, he in his head he felt um he said to me he felt that uh you know it, it would stand against the car um you know you do get people inquire and sort of drill into the car and then you know if, if certain things like that don't tick the boxes and you know people get really funny about it um yeah and whether it has a knock-on effect or value I think it does but not i think if if you really want it depends why you want a car doesn't it and, and yeah. it's, it's the same for you it I think you said to me that you know you're you're after the car because it's something you 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 either dreamt about for a long time or you really particularly just you know you want that car. It's not it's not you don't want it whatever you know. It's, there has to be some parameters that you'll work with. But I think the matching numbers thing, to my mind, is if you really want something concourse and perfect, fine. Yes. That's that's okay. I, you know, that's, that's absolutely understandable. But yeah, I, I, yeah, want I agree. Something.
0: I agree. It's not a big deal for me. I don't think, you know, it doesn't have to be a matching numbers car. It's more important I think that it's reasonably mechanically sound and it's and it's reason, you know, reasonably rust-free, like there's only little bits of surface rust maybe yeah, on the, sure. you know, on the yeah. smuggler's box or here and there, but reasonably mm. rust-free is the main thing. I just want to get into the <clears throat> into the so it arrives in the UK, the first time you see it, did it meet your expectations? Did you look at it and go, "Okay, all those videos were worthwhile?" Or or "Hang on, I've I've made an error. I missed that."
1: It. Um, <laughs> I stood there for a while just kind of genuinely speechless. And I don't mean that in that, you know, it was, uh, as I say, it was some concourse car because it's not. But I just, I guess it was relief as well because I'd spent a yeah. month chasing this car. Um, you know, the money had gone off way before it arrived because of all the delay. So I was still kind of um, very nervous about, you know, will something turn up at all? What the hell is it going to look like? Um, will it run Uh, and it did all of those things I mean you know it was driven onto the um, it was driven into the container it was driven off of uh, trailers this end it drives I mean it needs to tune up it needs you know it's dropping a bit of oil here and there not perfect but it starts stops it looks very very respectable Um, most of the original parts are there so I was a bit well I think it was just relief Um, and yeah, I'd actually pull this off. (laughs) That's
0: fantastic, yeah. But there was no, so the body and everything, everything was as expected. There was no surprises, nothing that you came across. Has the car, the car's rust-free? Sorry, Nick, the car is pretty much rust-free?
1: It's uh, almost. I mean, it's it had some pan work uh, years ago. So one uh, driver's side floor pan was redone. Um, But again, it was done in a period where the cars were worth very little. So I'd say it's... um, and again, I've had it checked uh, since now that it's here. It's solid, it's safe, which is the main thing for me. Um, you know, I, I I always take my kids out in the classic cars. They love the old cars, and it's a sort of a family thing for us. So I need a yeah. car to be safe and reliable. Um, so it's solid, uh, but it's untidy. I mean, if you look at it now, you you'd probably want to you know cut it out and um, uh, you know make a make a better make job a perfect, of it. Yeah, but yeah. It, again, it. It's not rusty. It hasn't gone rusty since um, since it was done. Um, it's just not the neatest job. And to be honest, because it's underneath, it doesn't really bother me. One day I might get it done. Um, okay. But yeah, it's not so,
0: a major. So the cars in <clears throat> the cars in with the, the specialist.
1: Mm. So
0: what what has to be done mechanically? What are the things that need to be worked upon after they've had after Jack's done the full check over and, and looked at everything? What is it? Yeah. What, is, what is the issues?
1: So the, There's really only two headline issues with the car. One is it is dropping oil. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a complete kind of engine seal refresh um, and just kind of chase, chase drips. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> see, see what remains after that. Yeah. Um, and the other one was the brakes were binding. Two of the brakes, I think, were binding. So kind of um, got a calibre rebuild kit caliper rebuild kit um, and brake lines again safety's top of the list um so those are really the only two headline items that need addressing um they will need tuning up a bit obviously for emissions I, I intend to mot it which is the kind of safety road test here in the uk okay. uh, it doesn't need one it, i don't think it legally needs one given its age but i always tend to mot my old classics it's just a peace of mind thing
0: so for the mot is everything intact for the mot does it need seatbelts? does it need you know do the lights need to be changed in the uk compared to us cars how does because in australia i think you have to change the lights or you have to change the bulbs or the direction of the lights you have to have make sure yeah, you have retractable seat belts
1: yeah the seatbelts, um again given its age you actually don't need any okay. um i mean i have I have another classic currently. we have an old uh, seventy one land Rover uh, series three and oh, nice. i put I put seat belts in that um, because of my kids, but again, given its age, you don't need to. So for the Porsche we it, it has front seat belts in it uh, anyway, um, and I would put them in i think if if it didn't. um but again, it doesn't need it for the test bulbs um. I think the turn signals or the indicators um, need to be changed for orange because I think the U.S., um, they're red. Okay. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing major really. Emissions, it will need obviously just tuning and make sure it, it's okay for emissions. Um, That's a question
0: I want to ask you actually. The 68, there was a – I think I was looking at a 68 – um, on classic cars in the uk it was the orange one and i actually contacted the guy but it had a little bit too much rust in it okay. does the 68 have a large something in the front in the frunk that that protrudes from the front is that part of the emission system is this something uh, that that takes up the frunk in the 68 or is that am i getting confused with another model year
1: i i don't know to the honest i'm not I, I don't recall seeing anything in mind that Where about
0: does it sit? In the the front, at the front, Mm -hmm. closer to the windscreen, there's like a curved bulge in the carpet because underneath there's actually something to do with the emissions that's been put into the car for the 68 model because it was, you know. I don't know, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I'd have to have a look again. Uh, Okay. I mean, that's the other thing. As I said to you, I've seen it once and we're now. Have you uh, driven it? No. You haven't driven no, it. it was off the okay. No. Okay, I won't ask that
0: question then. <laughs> I was going to ask you though, how does it how it does, it, does it feel to drive it for the first time? So you haven't driven it yet. No,
1: not even driven it yet. No, I uh No, I so, so think that,
0: That's not going to change your mind, is it, once you go for that drive? Oh,
1: god No. 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 Don't, no, watch, I mean,
0: no. don't watch don't watch Azmal's video on uh YouTube that first drive where he takes it out <laughs> for a drive. Yeah.
1: Now I've driven um I've driven uh, um G-body 911s before. Um, oh, okay. So I kind of know the um the feel uh, 911 obviously but um yeah it's, and um, as I said I've always I've always had classics so you you have to switch your mindset with classics generally you know you're not driving a modern car nothing nothing close. So yeah. But you have
0: good roads near where you live for the for the classics right? You live in a you live outside of London so you have good good Yeah roads that's around right. That
1: area yeah so i'm on on South coast, basically um we have a big national park called the New Forest, um so there's forest roads, and it's yeah it's lovely to take a take a drive through the forest in the good weather and uh, um, yeah no, it's, it's great it's oh, great. I spend a lot of time um up at um sort of car shows and things with photography, so I get to kind of drive about the country a little bit. Uh,
0: yeah, I want to get into that actually. I just want to ask you one more question though so with mm-hmm. with the car that's in with the specialist now. With the engine side of it, are you going to try and get more power out of that engine, or are you more wanting to have the engine to be reliable? Which side of the spectrum are you going on? The, the, the perfect the balance between power and reliability, or you want to get a little bit more power out of the out of the four-cylinder?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because first and foremost, I want reliability. As I said, I want to use the car as much as possible. Um, it's, it's not going to be you know obviously completely foul weather I'm not going to take it out but you know I want to I want to get out there I know some of the guys in 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 the um in the sort of niche 912 scene if you like um there are those that tuck them away this time of year and there's those that just keep using them and and I'm in that camp always have been with older cars I just want to want to be able to use them um so it has to be reliability for me um you know, it, it's never going to be a quick, quick car, but you know, as you said, you can do you can do things with them. um You can you can get a bit more power out of the existing engine. You can you know this is the sort of uh, the seventeen hundred um, kit. um At the moment, I just I want to get the car on the road, safe, reliable, and get to know it. Okay. Uh, I just want to spend time with the car. I need to know its niggles, how it drives, yeah. what, what you know, what's next on the jobs list before I start sinking money in the kind of nice-to-haves. Um, although, that said, I have got plans, you know, to make it my own. <laughs>
0: probably the best, the best thing to do is get a few hundred miles on it, right? To actually Absolutely. drive the car and get the miles on it and see if anything else happens or if anything needs to be done before you start, you know, upgrading other things.
1: No, that's right. Uh, I mean, I've always, um, I'm also not one to leave my cars alone. I mean, I don't go outlandishly over the top modifications, but I kind of, I, I guess I sit in a camp of kind of OEM plus. Um, yeah. yeah. You're aware of that. It, I like, it was a similar with the 944. I kind of upgraded certain parts, things like wheels, but was in period and it was kind of the best offered by Porsche at the time. Um, and I kind of like that, that feel of kind of keeping within the brand and within period.
0: Yeah, but I'm the same. Really I'm exactly good. the same as you with that. I like to keep it pretty much OEM.
1: Hmm. So there are plans for the car to make it mine, but nothing outlandish. So so
0: what are you planning? You want to share that? What are you planning to do?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, um, alongside the work um, that's going to be done, that needs to be done uh, sort of mechanically, if you like, um, I think the car, well, I know the car is going to be lowered. I want it sitting a little bit lower. And again, not on the deck. I know that's, um, you know, for some people, it's not for me. I appreciate it, but again, it's about usability. So it just for me, I like I like the arches filled, but I don't want them. Yeah, you know, I don't want it scraping the floor. <laughs> is the suspension
0: um, the suspension's pretty good on your car? Has it been updated the suspension, or is it just you know stock?
1: No, I think it's pretty stock. to Be honest. Um, it looks in it looks in, you know, fair fair shape. I don't think there's any immediate tension. Right. I mean, linked to that, one of the things that um, again. Uh, it, ideally i'd like i'd like to do and i have done in the past with 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 other classics i've had is, is refresh the bushing um yeah. you know as you can imagine this you are talking about a 52 year old car so it it's not going to be tight as it once was yeah yeah exactly um, exactly you know there's going to be slop in the steering and so I'd i'd like to go through it and just rebush it um and I'm not talking about poly bushes or anything like that I'm, I'm not a fan of polys to be honest but I just you know kind of OEM equivalent rubber bushing and just just get the car tightened as it as it was intended from the yeah. factory you know? yep
0: yeah, great idea uh,
1: and uh yeah great um, idea so really feel the car's originality
0: um what else was I going to say so can we can we just talk about so let's let's talk about your Instagram for a second because I want to know you know so you're a photographer
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh it's not my day job. It's my uh, my passion. It's it, it was born out of passion for classic cars. Um and I started doing it probably more seriously uh three three years ago, maybe something like okay. two three years ago. Um and yeah, it gradually built up and I got asked to cover um classic car events, um shows. Um I've done some work for magazines, uh, I've written some articles um But yeah, it's kind of it's uh,
0: yeah. That's great. It, That's
1: great. It, it, the um, so the, I'm just going to
0: say that again. I'm just going to tell the listeners again the classic series. I'll put the link in the podcast description so you guys can go to it. So um the classic series on Instagram, check that out. And I want to ask you also, Nick, about the about the the thing you've set up, the classic classics for carers. Do you want to tell mm. the listeners about that? Because we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast in the UK. UK and US are our main main listeners, so I think it might interest some of the people who are listening today.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, Classics for Carers was born out of this crazy year that we've just had and uh, <laughs> glad, gladly coming to a close. Yeah, agreed. Um, but part of that was uh, car shows, as I mentioned before. You know, I, I do a lot of photography at car shows. and te- you know, attend as an enthusiast for years at, at car shows, events, motorsport, that kind of thing and of course with the pandemic it all but died almost overnight you know the events couldn't couldn't go ahead um and and so as an enthusiast um and a, and a massive classic car community as you say in the UK in the US uh, and Europe you're almost left with not nothing to do but you know your calendar of usual events was suddenly gone yeah um and uh, you know, in the UK, we were we were into a period of lockdown um, where we weren't even allowed to go out and drive other than for essentials. Um, so it kind of got me thinking that, you know, what what could be done um, to kind of keep the enthusiasm, use the cars. We were also seeing um, here, as in many other countries, our kind of, uh, you know, frontline carers. Here we have the NHS, which is a national health service of nurses, doctors, et cetera. Um, who were really under strain, looking after everybody who was, you know, succumbing to this, um, uh, to to coronavirus. So it was it was born out of putting on a car show um, while being a fundraiser. So essentially what I ended up doing was hosting a couple of stay at home car shows. Okay. The idea was that you would roll your basic out of the garage onto your driveway so it could still be displayed, if you like, like a, like a proper show. It was something to actually physically do. Yeah. You know, you get to do the usual prep where you'd polish your car and, you know, make a bit of a deal of it before you take it to the Great. show. Albeit yeah. The show was a few feet down the drive. <laughs> so, um, but it meant that, you know, people, people joined in all over the country. We had participants across Europe. In fact, we had some in the States. Um, and then on the day... Um, we shared what we'd rolled out via social media. So, you know, people were posting photos, videos. I did some live chats. Okay, um, fantastic.
0: So is there a website people can go to or it was basically on this so website or yeah. it was just through social media?
1: No, no, it was, um, it was uh, there's a website as well. So it's classicsforcarers.com, okay. um, which was the event website. Um, it got great media coverage and really You know, pleased and and, and really appreciative of the media coverage you got in magazines as well and online. Um, And in the end, uh, through donations, um, through the two events, we raised £17,500 in the end. That's
0: fantastic. Well done.
1: Thank you. That's a great
0: thing to do. Well done. Um,
1: Especially during
0: this time when, you know, I don't think people are being selfish, people are being very, you know, open and, and whatever, but it's a really nice thing to do. That was great. And also sharing your interest and sharing the passion of other people, which... You know, which is easy to do. Which is easy to do. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. It brought it brought the kind of classic community together, and people were you know thankful that they had something to do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'll put the links in. I'll put the links in this in the description, and also when it goes up on YouTube, the audio, so people can actually um, check that out if they if they um, want to. Um, I think that's great, Nick. Is there anything else you want to tell me about your car? I don't I don't think I've I don't think I've missed anything. Is there anything no, else no, I need to know? Um, just anxious
1: to get it on the road. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the uh,
0: thing—the drive. <laughs> I was going to say, how does it feel? But you've driven—you've driven those sort of those period nine elevens before, so you have an idea of how it drives. I noticed your yeah, steering wheel is the right one as well—the hockey puck. I, that's yeah, probably, that's the, right. The best steering wheel. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: that's right. I, I just um, yeah, as I say, it, although I've owned Porsches before and, and, and classics, it, but certainly the first Air cooled, um, which I think is. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal for me. I mean I, I grew up um influenced by, you know, things like the beetle. My auntie, I remember some of my earliest memories. My auntie had a an old beetle and she used to run me around in that and um yeah, yeah it was uh just that kind of noise, that air called clatter and it's just um yeah, as I say, the Porsche has always been top of the list. And um, as I say, this this friend of mine, we spent our university years hankering after Porsches that we thought we'd never yeah, owned.
0: Yeah, I know you kind
1: it. of it is literally kind of you've kind of made the dream reality i suppose which is probably
0: what it was when you saw it for the first time and you're standing there it's a relief that it's actually arrived and you've got it yeah, and everything's absolutely. okay but it's also that other side where you're thinking i can't believe i bought this car i can't believe i own one yeah it's always that yeah, thing isn't exactly. it i can't believe it and there it is um but like you said you just want to you just want to get out and drive it but i think i think for the listeners it shows you know if you do your research well um you don't have to find things that are advertised if you it's about making you know Getting to know people who you're going to buy from, getting to know the people who you're shipping with, getting to know, you know, the research that you did is obviously paid off because you've ended up with, a, which looks like from the images, is a really, really nice example. Um, so I think it does pay to take time to look for, for cars, for Porsches. Um, yeah. Like I said, I always get grief given to me from other people online, my friends, I will <laughs> call them online, that I take too long in this decision to buy 912 but it's a pretty big decision and you have to you it have is, to make the right yeah. one so I think you've done well and you know it's uh it's helped me th- to think about it as well the, your process
1: yeah no it's um I think I think the the unfortunate side is things move so quickly now you Just something appears online and it's gone and you don't you're not always afforded that time to really think it through but yeah true. I think you're right I mean you stick with it and you know, you just never know what's going to come up. But I think it is a big decision. And it's, you know, if it's something you've hankered after for long enough, you want, you want to you know, be comfortable that you've, you've made the right decision.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the prices, you know, if you're looking at, you know, places like Bring a Trailer and, and Picar Market and those, the prices tend to be, seem to be more inflated now as well. They're really going up quite yeah, well. It's and very think... hard to get a bargain.
1: Yes. And the auctions only sort of exactly like that, I think, where you get into a bidding war. Um, again which I was fortunate not to be a part of but you know you see it happening a lot and and you know sometimes the prices are justified there's some stunning examples out there yeah absolutely um, but sometimes I,
0: yeah. you end up spending too much don't you you get caught up yeah, in that whole auction craze
1: yeah I think so yeah um, you kind of get into that fiction that you must have it and you know you probably haven't really delved into the car as much as you should have done <laughs> which is when you get surprised
0: yeah true but I think you know and I've seen your Land Rover on your Instagram. So I think you've got the perfect, the perfect two-car garage now. The, yeah. the, Series, 3, the <laughs> well, Series 3 and the 912. <laughs> I mean, yeah, how, how much cooler can you get, Nick? Come on. How much cooler can you get than those two cars?
1: It's a pretty good combination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be... just
0: keep taking photos of those. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the images of the 912 start appearing on your feed as well.
1: Oh, they will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, Nick, I think we'll leave it there. That was great. Thanks for um thanks for sharing your owner's story.
1: No, thank you. And thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's always great to listen in and hear other people's experiences as well.
0: Yeah, no, great to have you on. So thanks so much for that. And like I said, you've uh this nine twelve thing I've got to get it sorted. I've got to get it you sorted. Must. But like I said, there's plenty of people to talk to online. I keep getting even messages from other people, you know, who have got nine twelves in the UK and in US, like sending me messages. In fact, I've had someone the other day that sent me who's been sending me cars for sale in the US because he's been finding uh, yeah. them. So he's still been get, trying to yeah, help I still me. Get yeah. Cars off to me. Yeah, <laughs> so people are people are very generous. They're very like you know they want to help, which is great. Which is great about the I guess Porsche community and classic yeah, car community. Absolutely.
1: It's it's a very good point actually. Is is it's worth spending time in that community and just uh, before you take the, the you know the leap um, because you learn a lot. You learn a lot from people's experiences but you learn a lot from, uh, you probably narrow down what you're after and and what you should be looking out for as well uh, in spec and, you know, sort of telltale signs of something that's not right. Um, But it's a great community as well. It's very friendly. And, you know, there's people willing to share knowledge. Um, You know, I've been involved in lots of different classics over the years and some communities are better than others or they're more forthcoming with facts and sort of sharing. Um, And I think that's part of the Porsche appeal. It, It, you know, is a great part Uh, a great community to be involved
0: in. Yep, absolutely. All right, on that note, I think we're going to end the podcast today. Uh, This is Porsche Cool Donor Stories, a number, I forget what number it is, 15. I think it's 15. Um, That was Nick. Nick's from the UK and Nick owns that beautiful uh, and it's going to appear on his Instagram and you can see it when you, uh, I'll put the link in this description, as I said. 68, short wheelbase, 912 in white and it's very, very nice. All right, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening and bye for now.